Welcome everyone to another episode of Weekly Games Chat. I'm your host, Chris. As always, joined by my co-host, Faraway, Sean. Hey, what's going on, world? I do hope everybody's still safe. I hope the world is treating you okay. We are deep in this thing now, huh? Yeah. Uh, and my other co-host, who's never far away enough, John. Johnny boy. So deep. <laughs> so deep, bro. So deep. I mean, it's, it's really I'm still. Journey to the center of the earth deep. Ooh. Yeah? Yeah. Exxon Valdez deep. Spring in the leak deep. I watched hey, The guys. Core again this week, <laughs> and I don't know you why, but I did. watched what? The Core. Why would you do that? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I ask myself that every day. With with what's her name? The Hillary Swank. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's in there. Stanley Tucci's in there. Uh old uh Harvey Dent's in there. Yeah, Two Face. Yeah. Whatever his name. So what is his name? Jeez. Aaron uh Eckhart. Is that it? Aaron Eckhart. Yeah, he used he used to be a thing. Yeah, yeah. People were like, "You've got a career," and then, and then he apparently was Two Face, and he wasn't anymore. <laughs> They're like, "All right, peace out on that." Uh, Sean, you know what part yes. of the show this is? Uh, you know, week to week, I kind of forget. So why don't you give me a little update, buddy? This is the part of the show where we ramble on, ramble on, uh, for the two hundred and fifty time ramble on. Ooh. I know, right? But if you don't want to hear our rambles, uh, you can go ahead and skip to the topic time, which is in the show notes time, below. Time, time. So uh, just go down to them show notes and you'll have a marker to hear all about our wonderful topic this week that I never thought would ever be a topic on this show. <laughs> but so I'm actually yeah. so happy it is. And right? to be honest, I'm going to tell you right now, it's it's a catalyst for me wanting to... Mm. Um, Spend a thousand dollars, expedite a particular venture. Yes, uh, yeah, and then spend another thousand dollars. What are you talking about, Sean? What are you talking <laughs> you about? know, I'm gonna tell you right now. If I expedite, mm-hmm. I, I'm not getting no Xbox or no PlayStation, bro. Oh, we're we're switching PC exclusive. PC. So if it don't fall down that alley, weekly master race chat. <laughs> right. <laughs> No one cares about Kratos. Weekly Blue Blue Sea and Master Race chat. Right. (laughs) Uh, Good times. Did everyone have a good week, though, in in isolation? Yeah, I mean, it was was all right. I mean, it was as good as as it could be. Uh, I did did have someone break protocol yesterday. Really? How so? So, so you know, I've told you guys on on this fine podcast that Papa John's is fantastic on their no contact pizza delivery service. Yeah. Um. So I was I was perusing the apps yesterday because I wanted a pizza for lunch, and I was like, "Oh, I got a free pizza earned from Domino's." Ooh. They also promote the contactless delivery. They do. I was like, it's fantastic. I had a little bit of an issue because unlike the other pizza places you order online or through the app, Domino's doesn't let you do the tip on the card ah. like through the app or whatever. So I was like, uh, I did a quick Google search and I was reminded that they bring the receipt, which I'm like, that's fine. I went ahead and got my pen ready because I was not going to use the driver's pen. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so some I get, first of all it's weird because i get the notification hey pizza's on the way i was like cool about a minute later the guy calls and he's like hey i'm sorry i'm running late uh somebody he's trying to explain to me something i was like hey hey just just be safe it's fine i just got the notification you're coming life's good he's like, all right cool i'll see you in a little while he gets here pretty quick and i hear the door knock and i'm like hey you guys want to come see how they do contactless delivery Lo and behold, I open the door and he's standing there. Oh no, he did not contactless. Huh? Oh my god, dude! And I was like, <gasps> and he he was kind of like, hey, hey, hey! I think he realized that he was standing there. He's like, I oh, kinda, I screwed up. Uh, I kind of, I was like, do I want this pizza? Uh. <laughs> he's like, by the way, I'm late because I went to the hospital <laughs> and went to this uh, Corona wing. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Some stupid beer. <laughs> and then the next day, I'm, I just told you guys before I got a, or uh, yeah, I'm like my throat's a little scratchy. Uh, hey. Was the pizza good? It was fantastic, dude. Um, hey, it was, then it was worth it. I yeah. mean, well, Domino's, they, you know, like I said, they've stepped their game up. They used to kind of be not really good. They went through a funk and then they kind of got better. And I, I enjoy the Domino's. I, feel uh, like I actually in, enjoy the uh, Domino's brownie cookie. I feel like they're in a better position as a company right now than Papa John's. And Dude, you told me that like they're they're killing it. Yeah, Pizza Hut and Domino's are killing it as far as that goes, man. Mm-hmm. But uh, pizza was good. That's how that story is going to end. I possibly got exposed, but I had good pizza. It's Chris, will re- Chris will remember this. Speaking of getting sick from pizza, I um <laughs> I used to order I used to order this deep dish Domino's pizza. Oh man, that thing oh, was so, so good. good, so good, so good, dude. And the last time I ordered it, this is back when I was living with Chris. I was like, I got so sick. Mm-hmm. And it, it might not have been from the pizza, but I just haven't touched Domino's since. Mm. And a pretty little girl. I think you should try them again, man. They, they really, especially that deep dish, man. It's so good. Get a little extra cheese on it. So that cool, crust. I'll be right gets, back. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? John always has the bad luck with like, as soon as he eats somewhere, that's when he gets food poisoning or, or you know, an Jersey upset stuff. Mike. Dude, yeah. Jersey Mike's. Now I'm hearing about Domino's. Like, really, dude? Like, really? But, uh, yeah. I did and not have said- that kind of fear. So Why? <laughs> I have not ordered pizza. I did go to countries uh, just because I wanted to, I didn't want to cook Sunday and, you know, I wanted to support something local. Right when I went out, yeah. and they were just yeah. there and open. It was pretty good, solid process. So that's what that's my one big risk of purchasing food, I guess, for the week. Well, the only reason I have done pizza is because they promised to contact. Listen, Papa John's has been, you know, on point. Yeah. Other than you know making the runs to the grocery store for the things you need every two weeks or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. I have seen the the Chipotle commercials. Come on, guys. I I drove by them and I don't know how they work. <laughs> like like because you know it's not like there's a I didn't see anything advertised for like a curbside pickup or anything. Um All right, so how do we go in? Yeah, like so I was like, wait, do I have to go in and like do normally where I just walk in and get my bag or like if I don't place an order ahead, do I just go in and go through the line like normal and leave? You know, which kind of seems pointless, right? Because you're in close contact at that point. So I don't know what they're doing, but I did not go there. <laughs> I, I would I have imagine, a feeling it will be a while till I do. I would imagine they would do online orders or to-go orders. Mm. 
And it would I know make they sense have delivery. to have an employee to like kind of open the door. Yeah. Yeah. And you walk in and you know, so you don't contact anything but your bag. Exactly. And then you leave. That would make sense. It's like you want people to have specific tasks, right? You're the doorman. Yeah. And you're, you know, like true assembly line type process to make sure only people that are handling food are the ones who are handling food. Yeah. Um, besides that, really the only thing I've done this week, uh, I started, you know, thinking about like just not just shows, but really movies. And because, you know, it was the beginning of the month, right? So a lot of good things got added uh, to like Netflix and HBO Go and everything. So I started to kind of force myself not just to watch things that I already know and love. Like I, I did rewatch Road to Perdition because that's out there right now. And that's like probably one of my favorite Paul Newman um, performances ever. But um, I just started going through this past week and I made it a point to just about every day I've watched something I have not seen before. You know, just things that have been praised or always gotten attention and just said, okay, well, what's this about? And gone from there. Uh, and it's been very rewarding so far. I, I did something similar. Um, I fired up the HBO Go app on the PlayStation 4 Pro. Ooh. And I was like, I want to get into a series. What can I watch? What can I watch? I've You know, I've seen Sopranos. I've seen, you know, the big ones. But yeah. there was one that popped up and I was like, ooh. The outside? I've never seen this one. No. True Detective. Oh, God. Yeah, that first season is amazing. In that Dude. Show. I'm like on episode five or six. And I'm like, yes. First of all, I need uh, Matthew McConaughey's mustache. Yeah. That he has in that first season. That was like at the height of the McConaughey. Well, he's only in that first season. I know, but yeah. I need that mustache. Yeah. You understand? Mm-hmm. If you're it's looking fantastic. for something else on there, um, that McMillions is complete on there. It's like six episodes. Oh, yeah. That's worth watching, too. A friend of ours watched it this week. She liked it, too. We have a friend? Yeah, from where uh, the area we of, both of used the mutuals? to... Yeah, like the area we both used to work in. Yeah, yeah. She recently purchased a Switch. Well, I think... Yeah, I think she did, actually. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, she's yeah, yeah she's ahead of me in a certain game, and I don't like it. Oh, dang. <laughs> I watched, um, though... The two most notable ones I watched was one was a documentary on uh, it's called Senna. Um, and it's about the F1 formula driver, which like I have no idea about formula and racing. I've never been to on HBO. Uh, this was on Netflix and it's his name was uh, Anton Senna. And he's like, I guess like up there with like, what's his face? Michael Schumacher, you know, as yeah. probably. Yeah. yeah the most revered uh, Formula One driver of all time. But it's just, it's very interesting because it's like basically for the most part about his rivalry with uh, this other guy, Alvin Prost. Uh, Allen. Or yeah, yeah, I think you're right. You're right. Uh, and it, it was just like really, really interesting to like hear his perspective and see the politics within the sport and everything. Like for an hour and a half, uh, I was I was pretty... Yeah attuned to it and then i watched and that's, uh, a, that's an older one too that's a, that might be a good one to watch dude yeah it came out in like 2012 um 10 that's fine yeah something like that no i just like fact checking you when i have my own computer oh okay <laughs> i knew it was some point there it won like a bafta which was what i was like okay well i'll check it out see what this is all about 
Uh, and the other notable one was uh, Good Time, which if anyone watched Uncut Gems this fall with Adam Sandler, it's those two directors who did that movie. It's like their first big movie they had. Uh, and it's Robert Patterson and then one through the director's plays his brother. And basically at the very beginning of the film, like they kind of botched this robbery, this bank robbery, which was just dumb to start with because these guys are freaking idiots and it just goes to such a dark depressing place but it's quite interesting to watch it's it's very much similar if you watched uncut gems if anyone did uh to that same level of depth like where everyone just doesn't feel perfect you know they all feel like they're (laughs) flawed but they also feel very real like all the like all the people they just interact with throughout the whole entire city of uh, Queens, just you, you get, you almost ask yourself like, is this a real actor or is just, just someone that they cast and said, be yourself. I I don't know how I missed something like this. Uh, Yeah. It was out in 2017. It's on Netflix. Mm -hmm. It says after spear heading an ill-fated bank robbery, a man must get his mentally challenged younger brother out of jail while eluding his own capture. Yeah. And it's, it's intense, man. It's like, I got to put this on my list. Yeah. Like that, that's probably one of the most intense things outside of uncut gems that I've seen in the past year. Um, both those movies, like I just felt like I was on the edge of my seat the whole entire time. Just going uncut gem. That used to be the name of, uh, John Richard. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Uh, John, but yeah, those those I'm I'm Jewish. The other ones were just random. I don't know what that means, but I like it. Means I would never have an uncut gym. Oh. uh, (laughs) Okay, I'll talk to you about. Hey, we'll see you later, John. (laughs) Uh, Do you watch or do anything, John? Yeah, um, let's see. I've been trying to, uh, you know, just going back and uh, watching Ozark because I done forgot oh, all right. of it. And um, how far are you? Every uh, middle of second season. Okay. And then um, when Aiden's here, we try to knock out a Hobbit slash Lord of the Rings movie um, every night. Nice. So Very nice. hopefully tonight we'll watch, maybe watch the two towers because that's that's how far we've gotten. And uh, the rule has been, um, you know, a- Aiden is is one of is kind of a part of that generation that sort of multitasks when he does entertainment. Oh, but you can't um, watching watching a television while looking at TikTok mm. and you know that, that all drives that me stuff. insane. It, it drives me insane, it, but. I'll I'll quiz him on something that happened while he's trying to watch do things two do the two things at once. And he will <laughs> and he will flat out tell me exactly scene by scene what happened. It's bizarre. And it, it's but, irritating at the same time because you're so, like, I don't like that you knew that answer. So yes, you're saying that Aiden yeah. is like machine learning, but in human form. Sure, yeah. Yeah, whatever that means, but <laughs> Sean, we have to <laughs> destroy uh, the boy. <laughs> <laughs> but the but, but the rule of me the rule of me entertaining this Tolkien quest that we've done is look if you're going to watch these with me I need you to put the phone away. Okay. And he's actually enjoyed being engaged completely in the movies. So that's, that's cool. That's one of the things we've been doing. I always debate with myself 
if Fellowship or Two Towers is the better movie. Like, and I Fellowship by far. Fellowship, the ending of it is probably the most powerful part to me. But at the same time, I mean, Helm's Deep is probably the best job of a long form battle scene that I I can recall. So I don't know. I'm always up and down. Like it Return of the King's never in the conversation, but yeah. And I don't and I don't understand why, but uh, it's it's it's, it's pretty much my favorite one in the trilogy. I guess it, it it's just that thing of I mean it's it's not anything that's unfamiliar. It's a problem with trilogies in that the third movie is always just resolving, right? You know, which is great and has its moments, but it it can't surprise you as much. I guess is the way to say it as something like the early movies can. It's like, hmm. uh, you know, like for instance, I know at the end of Return of Jedi that Luke Skywalker and company are going to win this versus uh, spoilers. Like, yeah. Versus like <laughs> Empire Strike Back, you know, you're going in, you're thinking, oh, obviously, you know, they pulled it out that first time and that was a much There's harsher. A- <laughs> uh, I don't know, dude. If you went into Empire thinking like the Jedi is going to win, you're, you're kind of not smart, right? Well, I mean, like, but I'm saying, think about it in the context of like, that's probably the first time you had a trilogy like that. Right. And for film and like, just thinking about the idea, you, the last movie you saw them pull off this even more, uh, unbelievable feat, right? Like here's this death station and it only has one weakness and you have to hit a perfect shot. And like here, it's just like Luke is going to go to this, uh, to this station and try to rescue his friends. It's not like he's doing something crazy and extreme at the end, but of course, he ends up losing everything. That's what made it interesting uh, at the end there for everyone. So everyone loses. Uh, in I mean, Chris, I, I agree with you. That's why Hobbit is the superior trilogy in the <laughs> in the in the, in, in the pair. Uh, is it because there are trolls? Because that's what you're doing right now. You troll. <laughs> I honestly, I'm not trolling. I, I I think they're more enjoyable than the original oh, trilogy. I do no. like the Hobbit trilogy as well. I hated it. But that's just me. We know. We know. That's why we liked it so much. Yeah, that's it's what we do. Old, that's the only reason we liked it so is exactly what we do. Dude. And there's a lot of things I do enjoy. I mean, I like Bender, Bendik, uh, Cumberbatch's uh, smog. I think that's awesome. Smog. Smog. But yeah, that um, I always like you know because on the one hand, Fellowship's ending is great, but on the other hand, Two Towers has. Gandalf with the Rohirrim riding down the hill with like a blast of light behind them. As oh, that just, is epic. I, I no, mean, get, like, yeah, it has epic moments, dude. But no, like, no, the best the whole... part in Two Towers is when Gandalf flashes the King of Rohan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but even yeah, like that those opening parts, you know, like when he frees Theoden and um, other things like. Um, like you know is this all you've got Saruman and then you know boom that wall goes up it, it, there's just so many epic movie, moments in that whole entire movie much more so than Fellowship cool man I yeah. mean Rohan giving his speeches at Helm's Deep mm-hmm. um, they can be very comical 
at I times. It's like it's hard to take it seriously. Like, yeah, I can. I should. I should watch that movie with you at one point and and point out the the hilarity Funny. in uh, like the, when uh, when when Rohan marches away from that platform he's standing on. Mm. You see, you see the guy. You see, watch the guy on his left. <laughs> <laughs> he's he very hesitantly unsheaths his sword and goes. All right, I guess we're gonna go die. <laughs> He's like, "Well, John, this is can, it." Can I can I officially uh, change your name in my phone to John Vigo Baron? Oh, dang! I'd rather you call me Helms Deep. John <laughs> Helms Deep Baron. It's done. <laughs> call I'm in, my, in my car and be like, "Call Helms Deep." Calling Helms Deep. Oh god! <laughs> and you get the at the beginning of Towers, you get the freaking Balrog fight, right? Oh man. Oh no, dude! Oh. And he smote him on the mountainside, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then drifted into an age of eternity. I think everyone should listen to the audiobooks, watch the movies, and then try to read the books. They're I'm hard to read. Chris, Chris never says, "And I come to you now at the turn, <laughs> turn of, of the, the tide. tide." Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. There's just Thank so many good quotes in that one, man. Gandalf. Gandalf. From uh, Fellowship. And that's that's the movie you also find out, apparently, that Gandalf really has spent a lot of time perfecting his whistling skills because, like, you know, he gets shadow facts to come out of nowhere with that magical uh, whistle of his. That's the horse. <laughs> it's so funny that shadow facts was a name invented before the fax machine. Hmm. Yeah, man. Speedy. Reliable, getting messages to and fro. <laughs> oh man, and Treebeard. Oh god, there's just so many things. Dang. I think Treebeard is boring. That part yeah, is just super, so super overrated. Get dude. to Isengard and just wreck shop. Quit they gotta do it. They gotta set it up. Gotta have context, bad, man. <laughs> <laughs> that one too. Wizard I also know better. I just always like a. a in that scene too of like when they're storming Isengard um, and after they break the dam and that one tree that's just on fire right and uh, hey, you just see him dip his head down into the water <laughs> to put it out <laughs> little things like that that's what made it great as he's as um, as Peregrine Took is giving that emotional speech mm. see the tree Dick, dipping, dicking, sorry, dipping his head into the water. Yes, yes. <laughs> Boop. Um, Gandalf? 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 <laughs> oh, man. That part. That's where I should have ended. Oh, Sam. <laughs> I can't all... carry you, Mr. Fro I can't carry the ring, Mr. Frodo, but I can carry you. Ah. <laughs> too much emotion in that last one um you guys want to do a topic for the 250th time it's crazy that it's the 250th and and rona has completely destroyed the coronas the coronas has just ruined everything like we had a really cool idea and i don't want to spoil it because the hope is we can do it someday right you know we had a good Uh, idea for this we had a surprise that we were working on for it, but you know, obviously it's just, I don't know. That feels like it needs more, right? If it does. Do that. It, it absolutely does. I concur. So instead you get valve. 
Uh, well, let's uh, let's do a topic. Topic time. The topic is. I'm gonna go deep on this one. Go so deep. Half life. Dude, you split me wide open. Sorry. It's okay. My it's neighbors fine, right dude. now are like, "What the?" F-? We haven't heard from this guy like in a week. Why is he being loud today? Why today? What happened? That's Guys, fantastic. if you told me 250 episodes ago we would ever cover a game with the words Half-Life in the title, I would have called you a liar, unless it was yeah, a I mean, remake. First of all, you would have called us a liar, and second of all, you would have said, uh, we're covering this game called The Witcher 3 forever. Correct. And this, uh, and this other game that Chris plays forever. I need to go back uh, in time <laughs> to 2015, Chris, and be like, what if I told you you're going to talk about more than The Witcher 3? <laughs> What? No. What, 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 Shut what? it down. But yeah, man, Shut like I mentioned down. in the intro, dude, this game has got me wanting to make sure I, I build a rig that can run a VR game, a triple A VR game at that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh fun fun history. This is the first Half Life game that we've had in any form since two thousand seven. Uh and that was an expansion, right? Half Life episode two. Uh, so really, <laughs> this is the first new game in the Half-Life series since, uh, 2004. So that's, uh, 16 years ago. You ready to give it a Richard? Yo, <laughs> yeah, I could do it right now if you want. So, uh, this one falls in between the first Half-Life and that expansion you talked about, or where does it fall along in the story? Yeah, it's, uh, between Half-Life 1 and 2. Um, so at the end of Half-Life 1, Gordon uh escapes uh black mesa and basically uh john actually posted a gift of the guy the g-man takes him and says hey we like what you do we're gonna hire you which basically means he got placed in stasis and he stayed in stasis for 20 years until he comes out and that's half-life 2 this day john stasis is i've played dead space i know what stasis (laughs) is uh so this is a pre-sequel Yes, so this takes place five years before Gordon has come back. It takes place in the same location as uh, Half-Life 2, which is City 17. Um, And it's kind of like actually, you know, you're seeing the world. Gordon, in the end, when he comes back, ends up overthrowing certain things. And in City 17, there's like the citadel that's in the middle of the city. Uh, and in the end, he ends up bringing that down and things like that. So, but this is like when this is at its height, right? And you're actually kind of seeing the district for the first time, maybe a little bit in a way where you're actually getting an idea of how it was functioning before, you know, he showed up, right? Uh, so the main character you're playing as in this one is typically, uh, as the name would uh, suggest, is Alex. Alex uh, Vance, who was your main sidekick along with her father, Eli Vance, in Half-Life 2. Uh, and who is one half of one of the greatest 
cliffhangers that will probably never be resolved <laughs> ever in gaming those two characters uh so as we said like this picks up five years before gordon comes back uh and basically alex and her father are part of the resistance that are battling the columbine um so at the end of the first half-life basically this portal opened up and this this race of aliens came through called uh, the columbine and they had what was called the seven-hour war where basically they overthrew the earth in seven hours and that's how they've set up the current situation where basically they have control of earth and they just do what they want <laughs> uh but you know alex and her father are working to bring them down uh, but early on in the game, Alex is kind of investigating something and her father gets taken uh, captive by the uh, Columbine, presumably to be go killed, get killed. So she basically spends the first half of this game working to get into position where she can rescue him and save him from uh, his certain doom. And that's an interesting concept when you know that he's not going to die, right? Like, I know he does not die in this game, right? Um, because I've played Half-Life 2. So that was an interesting place for it to take off. But I think what most people are going to find is, like a typical Half-Life game, um, where you start is always very different from where you actually end up going in this world. Uh, and that is what is the fun of the journey. And it was, um, it was a really good reminder to me just how well valve does things like building a story and building a world. And the fact that they were kind of pioneers in that industry, especially when it came to the single player FPS world. Right. Um, yeah. people, people so kind of, it was, was kind of cool with that it. knowledge, them kind of making a VR game, right? Like, yeah, yeah. They're awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, so the big one, of course, yep, this is a VR game. And, and from my understanding, that's basically why it exists. Um, yep. Gabe is, uh, Gabe Newell has gone on record basically saying he doesn't want to do half-life games unless it pushes forward technology and genres and like, you know, what we expect, like half-life two was huge because huge, huge, <laughs> it was it's the biggest thing <laughs> ever. Or if it sells the, or if it sells their headset. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, that's, that's what we're talking about. Right. Um, but when half-life two came out, it was all about the fact that for one, you had this single player story that was going to places that just no one had ever seen. Right. Like John, I know you've played Bioshock and you love those. Like that, that was basically the precursor for something like Bioshock happening was, was Half-Life 2, you know, having these deep emotional characters with great voice acting the whole entire time driving you forward uh, and being able to convince you that this wasn't just a game, but it was actually something that was scripted out and thought just as well as like a movie could be, right? Uh, but the other big thing was physics at the time. Like they, what they did in Half-Life 2, they had a gravity gun that allowed you to basically pick up anything around you and it would use actual real world physics to uh, determine what was possible with it. So like if you picked up a saw blade <laughs> with a gun and you shot, you shot it towards an enemy, it would 
you know, uh, if it's moving at 200 miles an hour when you shoot it, it's going to rip apart whatever is in front of it, right? <laughs> That's living. Uh, so that was what was so cool about it. And here, um, this is before the gravity gun is invented. So instead you have these gravity gauntlets. And the technology push, I think, is showing people how well you can interact with a world where the physics and the movement of what is capable feels exactly as, uh, I guess, as real as you would want it to be if you were playing a video game, you know, uh, in VR. Whereas, like, pretty much, you know, like, when I see a heavy body, I know if I use two hands, I can pick it up and turn it around and search for ammo on that body or or tools or if i see a bucket right i can pick it up and empty out the contents and then use it as a way to store my grenades that i find in the world so i always have a excess amount of grenades um or there's a one of the best examples uh so as you're walking around in this world there are hard hats that you'll see on the ground right and the first thing i did was reach down pick one up and it placed perfectly on my head, right? It's just in there. I can actually see the brim of the cap on top of my head. Yeah. Uh, And to its credit, the way it ended up working very well, where you see this next level of, it's not just something that's there now. It's actually, it acts as it should, which is um, in, in fallout, there's these famous creatures called barnacles. And they're basically these big, like, Kind of in a way, like think of a Venus flytrap, right? Um, so they'll attach themselves to the top of ceilings in very dark locations. And then they have these long tongues that hang down. And basically, they're always still and they're just waiting for something to touch the tongue. And then they snatch it up and begin reeling the tongue in and bite its head off, right? That's how they eat. Um, so most of the time, they're pretty observable and you can you know, do things to kind of distract them. Like one of the best ways to kill them is if you see a propane tank, you can just like literally pick it up and throw it at them uh, and they'll lift it up and then they'll blow themselves up by biting into it. But at the same time, there are other times where they're, they're very hidden and you can't see exactly what is uh, behind you. And, and like, you'll have a zombie suddenly come out and you're backing up and you're trying to shoot the zombie and, give yourself enough distance so that you can take care of him without getting hurt. And the next thing you know, you'll walk into a barnacle that you just did not see hiding behind you. Uh, and normally that'd be a really bad thing, but if you're wearing a hard hat, what it does instead is that the barnacle snatches the hard hat off your head and starts pulling it up towards the ceiling and gives you time to get the hell out of Dodge, uh, and you know, kind of correct and, and readjust this thing. So it's like, it's that kind of immersion um, that like, it seems so simple and little, but like when you see these cool things, it, it makes it feel more alive, right? Compared to some other VR games where it's like, it's very clear what is scripted, what you can pick up versus what you cannot. Yeah. Everything I've read and heard about, the the player experience by playing this mm-hmm. is that you you just you just know that that valve did what valve does in this game yeah. and it's everything like when you played 
Half-Life and Half-Life 2 and all that back in the day, there's a way you remember it looking. Obviously, if you go back to it now, it won't look like that. Yeah. But that experience from when you played it, mm-hmm. it's a total Half-Life experience playing Alex. Like they, Yes. And, I, and that's something that it, I think that's under underrated, I think. Yeah. They're, I don't um, know how else to put that. The best way I could say is like, they're kind of like Blizzard, like where when Overwatch came out, I I wouldn't say that like there's one part of Overwatch that was completely groundbreaking, right? That just blew us all away. It was just that the care that they put into every single part of it, whether it was the balance of the characters to the way they're designed to the voice actors they selected to the way the maps are designed and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It just feels like it has this level of polish and understanding from a game development side that you just don't, you rarely see it uh, out there, right? You know, like when you think of someone like Bethesda, even with something like The Elder Scrolls, while those guys do really cool, incredible things, there's always jankiness, right? There's They're basically saying like, <laughs> we, we want to, in order to get to our dreams and make them work, we have to build it on a system that isn't the most sure-footed one out there, right? <laughs> um, whereas with Valve, it feels like they do the same thing, but they actually do build a system that feels very solid and very grounded um, to a point where, like, just to speak in level design of this game, there's never a waypoint in this game. There's never, you know, something saying, go here, do this. Uh, but I never had a moment in my you know, like 14 hours of this game where I got lost. And that just tells you how good they are at level design to be able to naturally guide the player where they need to be. And it's impressive. It really, it really, I mean, like I said, it really, really is. I, and, re, and getting ready to, I knew that this was going to be our topic. Obviously, I, I do the thing that I do and I go research everything from Wikipedia to watching people on Twitch to Tom YouTube to, uh, articles on the internet whatever i mean they they were experimenting with the vr back in like the early to mid 2010s they 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 saw that at some point or they felt that there was going to be a need for a vr game Mm -hmm. dude we could have possibly had a vr portal i wouldn't be surprised if it happens now it still happens right yeah but they settled on half-life and they took their time um yeah that and and now it's here and i mean like to their point, like, this isn't even the original, like, pretty much the people who made Half-Life 2 are all gone. They're not Valve anymore, right? Like, like Rip gone or, like, just not there <laughs> They anymore. moved on to other places. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but, like, you know, this is a, so for those that don't know, this is Chris Remo who had this up. And uh, for those. Name who, drop. Yeah. Uh, he is the guy who, to this point, is probably just most known for being, uh, what you call, doing Firewatch. So like oh, Chris Remo, the greatest game ever. Yeah, John's favorite game of twenty nineteen. <laughs> like, Boo. like, and that that's kind of crazy when you do think about that. Like, here's a game from a guy who, for the most part, has never done a VR game, right? Uh, and had really never done a game with combat in it, right? Like he had done puzzles and he had done storytelling in a game, but that's about it. And now you're being given one of the most beloved uh you know series and being asked like all right make the first chapter in 16 years go (laughs) for this and uh to his credit he delivered and i think it's because in part 
I'm sure he had people at Valve to work with him as far as how combat could best work for a VR environment. Uh, but at the same time, as Sean went back, like the thing that makes this game work is that the immersion factor feels like something that would not work the same if you were not playing it in VR, right? Like I know there will be at some point modders who go out there and figure out a way to make Half-Life Alex work not in VR for people who just want to play it and experience the story. But I would tell them they will not get anywhere near the exact what makes this experience so special and unique that they got uh, if they have an Oculus or a Vive or uh, even the Valve Index instead. And it's like from the very first moment, like you're standing on a balcony uh, and there are these things that Rome City 17 called Striders and they're like 30 foot creatures with guns on them that just consistently patrol. I remember seeing the first time in Half-Life 2 and I was like, oh wow, that's impressive. Uh, but here to like be standing on a ledge and all of a sudden see a gigantic leg come down right next to you and then see the creature lift up and go climb over a building uh, with that sense of depth that you get in VR, it's incredible um, to a point like where there are creatures called head crabs right uh john think of like the uh from alien alien yeah creatures. yeah yeah think of the face huggers um so like they they're the ones who create the zombies in this world right they basically latch on the people's heads and they slowly eat away until they just become this husk that does whatever the crab wants right um you'll kill like a zombie and one of the head crabs will pop off and it will start you know going around the ground trying to find you and jump at you. Uh, and there is nothing more frightening than realizing you are out of ammo. And um, the way you have to reload in this game is you have to discharge your clip from the gun, reach behind your shoulder to your backpack to pull out a new clip, manually insert it into the gun, and then actually load the chamber itself before you can fire. So imagine yeah. like you run out of a clip and there's three or four of these little guys on the ground and they're all just trying to jump at your face. <laughs> yes. Now, if you guys remember my game of the year last year, it was blood and truth. And I got, I got yeah, a yeah. taste of what Chris is explaining right now mm -hmm. because you absolutely had to get ammo and reload your gun in the mm -hmm. middle of a gunfight. If you've never experienced that in a VR world, whether it's a PSVR or any of the, whatever, you have no idea what you're missing. It's, it's, it's insanely adrenaline-packed, intense, and rewarding when you actually execute that gun reload yes. and take care of business. You know what I'm saying? It's it's phantasmic. <laughs> yeah, it's uh every time you pull off great combat moves in this game, um, you, you feel like you've accomplished something. You know, and and just like the fact that again, like the level of valve polish here, like say. You have guys that are trying to flank you and like a heavy is coming around and you're behind a car, right? You could literally turn, see he's about to shoot you, grab the door to the car and pull it towards yourself to shield yourself from his bullets. You know, it's things like that. And then like peer around the side of the car to shoot him. Um, things like that that make it feel real or um, so dope. It even, so dope. Even takes like moments like where there's a end of a level where you have to you're basically trying to throw a switch on um, 
on a train that's coming, right? And like where in a game, a regular game, you would just go hit a button. And it, you'd be like, oh, I got to run over here and hit this thing before the train gets here, right? Yeah, and maybe your controller's vibrating a little bit or something. Yeah, yeah. Here, you know, you literally have to go and grab the the switch and hold it down as this, like, you know, 30-foot train just goes whizzing past you, you know, and you're yeah. just trying to keep it stable the whole entire time to yeah. accomplish what yeah, you're doing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like the first couple of hours of this game was – a lot of just teaching you things, introducing them, and then slowly building up, like, make it more complicated, right? You know, like, first we're just going to give you a couple of head crabs. Now we're going to not only give you that, but we're going to give you, like, three or four, and one of them will have armor. And uh, you'll also have to deal with the zombie to, you know, going from just basic soldiers to now here's heavy soldiers or someone with a Gatling gun or something like that, right? once you've gotten that down then it kind of goes into the second section which <laughs> begins to of the game like the second act like begins to push you towards like what they did so well in half-life 2 but for vr now which is that horror works really well in this game <laughs> john he said horror not horror horror, horror. <laughs> yeah horror. sure he did sure horror. He did. Um, <laughs> Like, like, uh, to a point like where it accumulates with, I, I, I've told multiple people this and I was wondering after I beat the game, you know, where I could actually listen to other people's thoughts on it. Cause I did not want to spoil any of this, uh, for myself. Like, I think it's in, most people are in agreement that this is just like one of the best done levels you'll ever experience for the first time. Um, and it doesn't have anything like core to do with the main story, right? It's just something that happened. I described it to Sean earlier this week. Yeah, it was a. I, I'll tell you this: it we were talking on our work instant messenger, and it, he probably put out six or seven paragraphs. Yeah, you know, some thick paragraphs of the of cut, uh, setting the scene for me and everything that happened. And I'm, I'm not kidding you. I'm literally googling what I need to be able to run. Yeah this game because i want to experience what he described it was it, it's again a moment that on a regular video game you, your your heart rate might get up a little bit um mm -hmm. and you're pushing you know x or a or whatever on your controller and things have to happen when you're immersed in a vr world mm -hmm. and what happens it totally transforms the game when it's executed properly and i'm telling you everything i'm, I'm reading is that half life alex is that kind of game that's executed properly you know yeah. so so chris question uh, just out of curiosity d is do you know of any advantage to using uh valves in-house um headset i think as far as um i got one for one the wide spaces because they have that uh those two sensors that are supposed to kind of allow you to have a larger playing space than maybe the oculus would um, but the big one is the hands and the way those interact. I believe it, it kind of gives you a more direct one-to-one -one ratio with each finger versus the rift sensors. They kind of like, imagine you're looking at your hand, right? Your bottom three fingers, your pinky, you know, your ring finger, and your middle finger are kind of tied to one trigger. Your pointer finger is tied to a top button press. And then 
your thumb works where if you set it on the top by the buttons on the center of the controller, it will act, it, then it will know, oh, you're trying to close your fist type thing, right? Um, yeah, there's, there's no doubt the way the valve index handles your hand motions. Yeah. Your hands will open when they're open. Like if you want to give someone a middle stuff. finger in with the valve index, you could do it versus yeah. uh, I can't do that with the, uh, with the what you call it, with the, with the rift. But one advantage to not getting the Valve Index, John, is that your wallet's going to have more money in it. Yeah, right. Yeah. About thousand dollars <laughs> more. Um, I got. I'm, I'm amazed at there because you know every couple of years you you somebody would throw out just to see if they get a bite. Oh, there's a new Half Life in development. There's a new yeah. Half Life, and of course it always get denied. But I'm just amazed at their ability to keep this thing under wraps. Cause I don't think, as I recall, we didn't hear about this until this year. No, late, yeah. late like 2019. Like they bought, I'm not sure if they bought out, but I think they may have, um, the, the studio that actually makes, uh, firewatch, you know, Chris Remo's studio. Cause they were working. Campos, remember, yeah. Campo Santo. Yeah. They were working yeah. on in the Valley of Gods. Remember they had that E3 trailer two years ago. Yes. yes. Um, and then, and that's and been put got, on hold and like yeah. no one knew why, you know, uh, and it wasn't because <laughs> really... I was like, "Yo, I never, you... I never connected that." That's um, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Interessante. But yeah, like from so from that second part, you know, like I said, you you have this great horror sequence that accumulates, and like I said, what horror. might was probably I'm not kidding, one of the best levels of a video game. I don't care what you're talking about, Dead Space or Resident Evil, you know, it's up there. Just like the way they tease things to you, right? Uh, at the beginning of the level to then where they then call those things back to where you feel like, oh, okay, whew, we're good. And then giving you this slow realization of, no, you're not. <laughs> and and where that goes to, uh, it, it was quite incredible because, you know, I, I always say it's like horror for the most part. It just doesn't do much for me usually. Right. Like it's not that I don't like it or anything. I'm just like, OK, that's cool. And I, I kind of yeah. move on. It, it doesn't grab me the way uh, I think it grabs like our buddy Jeff or John here who love these games, you know, and they just yeah. sort of like, oh, that's so cool. I'm like, oh, OK, whatever. And I move on. Um, but this did. I, st- I still got to play Resident Evil 7 on VR when I'm moving. Ooh. Get a decent internet, don't I? And maybe that's what I need to do. Maybe I just need to start playing more horror games on uh on VR. You know, maybe that's the medium for me to get more engaged in these things than just watching a movie or or playing a tradi- traditional game, right? Yeah, maybe. Um, I, I, but what uh, what we went back to headsets. I mean, I want to go back real quick. You're playing on what headset do you have? The original Oculus Rift. You don't have the S. You have just a regular and correct. Are there and you got? I mean, it, that's the one with the wires hooked up and everything, right? Yeah, like it has the sensors, but it doesn't have the front facing camera parts on top of it, where it can yeah. completely read the room. So mainly, the way I played is I played sitting down, and I just kind of for the most part kept my chair always facing forward, and yep. used the joysticks to move as as I needed. And uh, for the record, there's like tons of of uh, options as far as movement in this game. So if you're someone who gets more motion sick, you can do the traditional blink stuff to uh, having it like 
where you're doing continuous movement on the left stick and it adjusts to the way your head turns, right? So if you want to go left or right. Um, to, Wait, so to move forward, backward, left, and right, you don't have to just do the jump thing? No, yeah. I ended up, I did that like the first day until I looked at the options and I was like, oh, I can do this. And Oh, dude, everything I'm watching, everybody playing it is doing the thing where like your little yellow feet show up in front of you. It is good um, because it's pretty good. It actually, the one I ended up uh, choosing was like it was continuous hand, right? As opposed because I first did where it was tied to my hand, my head, but I just found like that turning of my head and also moving was giving me kind of some motion sickness. So instead, I just tied it all to you know the movement of the joysticks, right? And once I did that, I was fine. But one of the cool things is, you know, like there's no run button in this game, right? There's no like all of a sudden if if you're doing that continuous movement that you can just go from trotting along to, you know, sprint. Uh, so the way they get around that is on the right stick, if you pull back at any moment, you can still teleport. So like when I would get into combat scenarios, if I need to quickly get behind cover, that's how I would do it. You know, I would point and pull back and aim. Or if I was at a ladder, I could like just hold back and a little circle would fill up and then I'd go to the top of the ladder. I'm not going to lie to you. After playing Blood and Truth and it was that that format where you do do the doo-doo, where you, <laughs> you move forward and you point where you want to go. It, it ha- When you figure that out and it flows so so amazing, like you, you're totally immersed. Yeah. I want to go back and play Doom VFR because if you remember, mm. I didn't want to play that game because that's the way you had to play it. Yeah, but yeah. apparently, if it's done right and you know what you're doing, you, your experience is not ruined at all. Yeah, I think like when you're in combat, it's it's kind of a must, right? Because then otherwise, you'll just be going too slow and you'll just be kind of hung out to dry, right? Right. Right. Um, but yeah, the I never had a problem with the movement or anything like that. Um, but and just and just in case they're wondering, you're rocking a 2070 or 2080? 2070 Super super yeah yeah so i mean he does have a higher end video card but mm. there, there is a video out there in case anybody who's listening wonders um if, if you watch videos on youtube about computers you know who linus is and you're probably familiar with linus tech tips he had a, an amazing video i've watched about how much you should spend to play half-life alex mm-hmm. where he puts in several cards and uses several headsets so that'll give you an idea of where you might stand as a PC gamer if you can run this game, how it'll look. And I will say that I'm kind of impressed on the minim the the minimal specs to actually run it. Yeah, yeah. It, they they've made it really good for people. They were real. I mean, like Valve is smart in the sense that they understood, like, hey, we only have so many indexes out there, right? Like, probably like close yeah. to three, four hundred thousand at this point. Um, but dude, that's like a gajillion dollars they made. So yeah, they they worked very <laughs> they worked very hard to make sure that this was something that not only was going to be on Oculus but ran just as well functionality wise, right, as it does on Index or it does on a Vive. Yeah. Um, so you know, you, I don't think you're going to have a problem no matter which device it is. It's it's kind of like what you said. Like, was your PC doing is maybe the thing you should be more concerned about uh, above all else. Um, but yeah, so like once I got done with that level, I was like, wow, this is already high level, you know, game. Like they have sold me on why this needed to be here. And then I went (laughs) to the final act of this game, which is like when you get to the nitty gritty of this is a half-life game and we're about to go do some half-life things. 
Uh, and I'm not going to spoil any of that. But the final act of this game, especially the final two levels, uh, made waiting 13 years since the end of episode two uh, worth it. And I, I, I tried my best not to get my hopes up for this game when it first got announced because I just didn't know what it was going to be. Yeah, do, do you remember? I remember specifically when we found out about it and it was in the news, you said something very similar to that where you were like, look, I haven't gotten to play a, a Half-Life game and you named however many years it was. Yeah. And you said, if this is the way I got to play it, I hope they do it right. Yes. Something to that effect. You know what I mean? Because like my fear was it was going to be something kind of like the Batman VR, which is fine. You know, but it was like, okay, here's a like three, four hour experience of you just going around. And you're in the world of of Half Life, and that's it, right? Like, no, this is a fully realized game. Like, down from the weapons you're using, each have their their perks and their um, minuses. You can upgrade these weapons to do additional things over time. Uh, you have a multi tool that you use to do different kinds of puzzle solving. Uh, the enemies all have different weaknesses and strengths. You know, understanding how to explore an environment is vital um, because there are so many unique things you can find to either give you an advantage. Um, like, for instance, like if you're walking around, you can find a gas mask and early on the game and put it on and it, it will stay on. You get later in the game, there are these uh, these plants that spit out poison at you. If you're wearing <laughs> the gas mask, you're fine. Otherwise, you have to hold your hand up to your face to avoid it. Um, so things like how cool is that? Yeah, like John? things like that. <laughs> that like seriously, how cool is that? Can I borrow your Oculus? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, yeah, good, like good luck buying one because they're sold out everywhere right now. Yeah, yeah, they're really hard to find. Um, I why, think like why you is can, that because of this game? No, just in general. Because China. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I think they said like you can. Right now, you can pre-order, uh, or you can order the uh, Valve Index for a thousand dollars, and you'll get it about eight or nine weeks from now. Yep, you can find that on the Steam store. Yep, see Steam, John. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like when you get into that final, those final two chapters, especially, like they push the boundaries just as much as the end of both Half Life One and Two did, and Episode Two, um, and it made me so excited because I was just like, are you going to give me just a taste of VR of what half-life could be in VR? And that's it. Which is why I said before I didn't get super hyped up on this game. Um, or are you actually going to give me something that was worth waiting for, uh, with a promise I've of been waiting, but <laughs> maybe with a promise of a direction forward. And I, I'm happy to report that's what it is. Like, I believe that Chris Remo will never be finishing in the Valley of Gods. I think Chris Remo is going to be doing Half-Life games because where this ends is such a good launch point for them to do something going forward where they don't have to worry about where they were before, right? And the fact that so much time had passed and so many people had left. And I believe even uh, Gabe Newell has said, like, the team that worked on Half-Life Alex actually has a vision of where they want to go forward. So, and I, I can see it at least I could see a path. It's just a question. Are they actually going to do it? Uh, and I hope so because I think they understand this might be the great way to finally get people more on board with uh, VR 
and realize, hey, it's worth taking these big risks for huge properties that if you just put out a traditional game, you would make, you know, you would sell 10 to 20 million units, right? Like I think Half-Life 2 within the first couple of years had sold like 12 million copies or something because of Steam. Um, and I would imagine if they had put this out just as regular game, it would have sold double that, right? Double it. Um, but instead they chose to go VR and I think they're going to be the victors because of that, because now everyone is going to want a steam index or an Oculus to go try this. And if they see the opportunity, especially as the price drops over time, they're going to go purchase it because they know now there's a title that is worth their time, uh, yeah, for on sure. something that they love. And bro, it was free. If you had an index, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was free. <laughs> Like, look, man, you dropped the first thousand. We got you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I'm very, very interested to see where this goes. Uh, it is, it truly is a fanboys of of Half Life stream. I mean that. You need to play this if you are a Half Life fan. Please find a way. You can't have my Oculus, but find a way. Um, <laughs> but um, if I was going to give it a Richard, I think it should Ooh. be obvious what it would be. Yeah, I think okay. it's a. I think you're getting to a solid seven point five. Yes, yes, it's a six <laughs> out of ten. Um, Rise is Resident Evil two, <laughs> uh, but no, it, it, it's a ten, and I'm I'm surprised I'm saying that. And I am too. I, I mean it right now. Like it for when we talk about things at the end of the year for game of the year, I think there's going to have to be some stuff that climbs up and proves itself to me. You know to knock it off right now well yeah i mean like you said there's some fanboy in it there the game is an excellent vr game mm-hmm. uh and i'm telling you right now you guys any listener if you get yourself into a vr game that rocks you mm-hmm. it's gonna be the favorite thing you've played of that year and that happened to me last year and it's happened to chris right now and this year so it it's it's a thing that if you can find a way to get into a vr headset man find mm-hmm. you just play some stuff and see what happens I'm, uh, I'm very happy for you though, dude. Because no, know for you... sure, yeah. I'm I'm happy for for you, Chris, too. I, I'm just happy for Half Life fans in yeah. general because I mean I know what it's like to have a dry spell like this. Yeah, and it's not fun. It's no. just not. Probably probably no other famous dry spell than Half Life right now. Half, so, ha- hashtag Samus. One last thing I want to mention. Um, one thing that <laughs> Valve has gotten really good at is when they cast supporting characters is getting some really great underappreciated comedic performances out of their out of their people like in um portal 2 right you had uh you had steven merchant who kind of ended up doing the voice of this of this sidekick that would just make these witty british comebacks at you the whole entire time uh this time it is uh when alex is going around the world for the most part uh, she has her her voice in her ear whose uh name is russell and it's uh voiced by rice darby um and he's hilarious in this game if you don't know who rice darby is uh he was on fly of the concords is probably what he's most famous for but then also if you've seen the new jumanji movies right he's the one who goes welcome to jumanji you know and all that i can't do his voice um so he he is golden in this throughout and he's just so good <laughs> He's like, he has one part where he's just like, I noticed uh, 
You, you slammed my gravity gauntlets uh, hard on the table there. Didn't seem to care what happened to them. Life's work, and you're just slamming it on the table. Won't be loaning anything to you after this. <laughs> just things like that. You know, they're really good. That's, do that's dope, man. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that's Half-Life Alex. Well done, sir. I don't think we're going to get any better than here, guys. So let's, uh, Wrap let's shut it, it down. Never. Yeah, let's shut it down. <laughs> Show's over. 250 Half-Life Alex VR 10. 10 out of 10. Shut it down. Greatest game ever. Episode, Never again. 250. <laughs> and I'm sitting in a chair at my house. Yeah. Ugh. I wish you were sitting in a chair in my house. Cue oh. up. Uh, wish you were here, Pink Floyd. Ooh, good one. Hmm? Huh? John? <laughs> John See, went John, to the bathroom. He's already gone. John, no, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's an inside joke. Because John is going to need to go use the bathroom after that. He is. Uh, but let's, uh, let's do some news because there was some eventful stuff apparently pretty late. But let's do it. Hot off the press and straight to your ears. Weekly Games Chat presents the news. News! Now you what? guys talk so <laughs> I can... We did just... it, man. We did it. We did do it, man. You ready to do this, John? Because here we go. You ready? Do it. John? And we lead off the news with a cancellation. Bethesda is canceled. <laughs> I love that title. Good job, news team. Aww. Bethesda has announced a couple of cancellations due to COVID-19, also known as Coronas. QuakeCon 2020 has been canceled, but it is looking for other ways to celebrate the spirit of QuakeCon this August. That's because that's when it's just going to go away, apparently. The health and safety of our employees, volunteers, vendors, sponsors, and players will always be our top priority. And in these times... These uncertain times. It felt wrong to be talking about a gathering when gathering is the last thing any of us should be doing right now. In addition, Bethesda will not be holding a digital replacement for its E3 show. Uh -oh. uh, this was confirmed by way of a tweet from Pete Hines. Good old Pete. Citing the, citing the many challenges the company is facing due to COVID-19. He further indicated that there were lots of exciting things to share about our games and looks forward to telling you more in the coming months. There were likely plans to show more from Arcane's Death Loop and Tango Gameworks' Ghostwire Tokyo. <laughs> and how about Rage Three? Let's do Rage Three. Here we go. That's I thought be, we just we just be. got Rage Three, didn't we? Or you just no, got Rage, rage two. two. Yeah, I think oh, it would have been Rage another Two. Year. I'm trying to think. <laughs> I don't think you would have gotten anything for Wolfenstein. I guess you could have gotten an expansion. Nine! For, uh, oh, sorry. For for Rage Two. You wife? I could have seen do. that. This is what I do in a podcast. The whole family's looking at me funny. It's hilarious. But yeah, it sucks. I, I, it's not surprising, of course, at this point. But uh, you know, it makes sense. Yes, it's just fundamentally true. <laughs> man, I didn't say nothing. Uh, we know, man. But we reimagined if you would have said something. Uh, I'm trying to like remember where Bethesda, mm. Maryland is because I'm wondering That's how fine. bad their area is. I just I just say things like we'd reimagined if John say something. We just oh, okay. worry about where Bethesda's located, right? That's what we do now? Yeah, they're in a pretty hard hit 
part of oh Maryland. My God, I'm gonna lose my mind if John does not bite. They're in Washington, aren't they? John, just outside Maryland. I didn't hear you, Sean. I said, Chris and I reimagined. If you, <laughs> I, I can't. I'm done. It's over. <laughs> just read the next title for me, John. I'll, I'll have to listen tomorrow to figure out what I missed. I said reimagined like 19 times for you. Yes, oh, like specifically 19 times. Yes. E3 reimagined. That's 20. The ESA has formally announced dates for a reimagined E3 oh my God, 21. in 2021. <laughs> E3 2021 will be held from June 15th to June 17, 2021. This news was sent out to industry partners last Friday, and E3 has officially canceled. Was uh, sorry, I'll do that again. <laughs> E3 was officially canceled <laughs> on March 11th due to growing concerns of COVID-19 leading many states to order shelter-in-place orders, including California, where the event is held. ESA previously indicated they may host an online event, but no other details have been provided. Didn't it come out today um, they said that they weren't going to do one? Yeah, just um, as as we were about to jump on doing the show, they announced that they have canceled any plan for a digital event this year. Mm. So it's not going to happen. Boo. Yeah. You know what is gonna maybe happen? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Remember, remember, remind me to of Mad Cats when we get to a particular story. The, the last controllers, story. okay? <laughs> no, just just remind me because it was a it was hilarious. Um, Resident Evil Eight, according to a report from Video Game Chronicle (VGC), a first-person Resident Evil Eight will release sometime in 2021 for current and next-gen consoles. The game will feature, quote, serious departures hmm. from the mainline series. The news was previously reported via Twitter by Dusk Gollum. <laughs> VGC indicated that they have verified the information. According to VGC, it will feature the main protagonist from Resident Evil 7, Ethan Winter Spoilers. Apparently he lived, or did he? Capcom has not officially Pretty confirmed cool. the rumors. <laughs> It could be a pre-sequel. Yeah, who knows? You John don't, you knows. Don't know. He beat it. <laughs> John beat it? Did he? Of course, yeah. You didn't beat Ferris and Evil 7. Yes, I did. Not with the lights off. Yeah, not in VR like I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for Resident Evil 9. When was 7? Was that 2018? Mm, or yeah. 2017 2017 no, so whenever that's gonna be their like their new trend now right like do two years of uh remakes and then and then do the next new game right uh i needed to take everything back this game was initially released on january 24 2017 oh haha it did win the game award for best vr game oh of course jeff keely just saying Jeff, good old Jeff Keeley, John's favorite. Uh, he's, you know, he's, the, he's the last of a generation, isn't he? That Jeff Keeley. Yep. What does that mean? Oh God, John. <laughs> um. Yeah. So the last of our games. Uh, <laughs> terrible with pivots. <ughs> Jesus. That's God, because pivots up, are terrible. I'm throwing up softballs. You should be knocking them I, out of the park. 
Like his name right now is. You're not doing. You're not. You're not. You're not. You know. You don't even care. His name. Sean's name right now is like John Stockton. I'll I'll read it when you're ready. (laughs) You know, it's just swing and a miss, dude. It's fine. Hey, man, I don't like pivots. (laughs) What about pivot tables? You love them. The Last of Us Part Two has been delayed indefinitely, according to Neil Druckmann. The decision was not an easy one. "Quote: It's a bit rough. You're working on something for so long, and there's a built-in anticipation when you're doing things, when you're doing this thing. Like you can't wait for this thing that you've been crafting and honing, and sometimes dreaming about. You can't wait to get it in people's hands and then see their reactions. Right now, we're just reacting. You know, it's a different retail chain." Whether we could get physical copies to people, man, this is a run-on thought. What is the internet <laughs> infrastructure there to support it in all countries? There's this is they, uh, this is a worldwide game that people in every country are waiting for, and we want to make sure we're fair. Mm. For now, Naughty Dog, along with Sony, are trying to figure out the best way to get it out to as many people as possible as soon as possible. "Quote: It's there. That's the frustrating part for us. The game is there. We just have to sit on it for a while." and figure out what's the best way to get it to our fans. In other news, Sony has announced that it will be issuing automatic refunds for pre-ordered digital copies of The Last of Us Part Two and Iron Man VR following indefinite delays. And I, and I got the impression that this was automatic refunds whether people requested them yeah. or not. So, I mean, I guess I see his point to some degree. They If they release it now, um, they're not getting as much revenue for it i'm interested to see because i mean like what are you saying is going to be true of every major game coming up right like things like uh final fantasy 7 remake and of course um resident evil 3 and all those games like animal crossing they were already produced right you know you already had all your copies made so even though this virus hit you could still release them out and people found a way to get them, whether it was going to your GameStop or Walmart or ordering from Amazon. Um, well, even then they, they warned that there might be physical copy shortages. Correct. Yeah. For Resident Evil seven, which I just, you know, it's, it's almost like three. I, I almost feel like I'm almost suspicious. I'm not convinced of this. I'm just throwing it out there that they're using this COVID-19 issue to further delay their game. Because in reality, they don't know. I mean, this game is not coming out till June, right? It was May. Was it late May? It was like mid-May because then Ghost of Tsushima was June. It's gonna be yeah, May. Oh Which, yeah, that's right. So we're we're looking at a May release date. So we just we just don't know what, where this situation is going to be in mid to late May. I yeah. mean, for, to be perfectly honest, so I. I and you know a lot of a lot of entertainment companies are simply releasing things and just yeah. kind of going out of the way and just giving it to the public and i it's almost like why why is naughty dog so hesitant to do to do that i wouldn't be surprised it would go if it's it would go a long way towards building up their brand not that they need it but their brand would take a would would be would benefit from it i'd you actually mean, give this game away for free <laughs> no 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 just make it available just when don't delay it just make it available just be digital um yeah. well the I, reason they're delaying it wasn't be it's not ready it's not from if what you, they're if saying if you, though that's, that's my that's my perception of it too but they're spending it as if yeah the I mean, problem is a retail problem 
I would say no, it's, I don't know. It's because they they got to fix it and they can't fix it because the people they need to fix it can't be around each other because of COVID-19. I don't know. Based on what he's saying here, it seems like he's saying the physical copies is the big issue and it might be why they this is when they delayed it, right? Because if the game is meant to come out in mid-May, this is probably the point it would have gone gold, right? So then you would have started production of the disc and if you're saying, "Hey, we don't see a way that we can ramp up the amount that we feel would make Sony happy, right? As far as copies, physical copies. And we also worry on the fact that like, you know, for instance, if you're like in places like California, Massachusetts, and a couple of others where places like GameStop can't even be open right now for you to go pick up that physical copy, that's a potential big risk for them. You know, because what if the game actually comes out and I I doubt this will be the case, but what if it doesn't review that great? And therefore I'm, I'm someone who pre-ordered at a GameStop in California and I see this game that was, I was hyped for, but didn't get that great reviews and someone I know bought digitally and they're like, yeah, you could probably wait on that. And then you cancel your pre-order, right? That's, that's potential sales out the door for uh not just them but i think probably the bigger one in this sony you know so i could easily see that's why you see that iron man vr got pushed back and i would not be surprised if things have not led up by june that they're probably going to end up doing the same thing for something like ghost of tsushima where they say hey we have to push this back and let it come out when it makes sense for our bottom line as opposed to when we, even though the game might actually be done and people could play it right now, it would be good for everyone. Because, you know, like if you're saying 50% of your sales are going to be, or even 40% of your sales are physical, that's 40% right there, right? And yeah, that's saying, almost half, bro. Yeah, like if you're saying, okay, <laughs> of that 40%, 20 to 25 are affected, that is a serious hit to the bottom line of Sony as far as what they are expecting on day one and they're probably looking at the analytics I'm sure. And they, they're probably imagining the fact that regardless of the situation, we know for a fact that most of the sales for any game come on the front end versus later on. So if we have a shortage now, we risk that certainty that we know from uh, our historical models. Well, last of us, last of us is an interesting case study. I mean, they, they've got their own data Mm. to show that if any game can do this, mm. just release digitally and then make up the physical sales later, it's Naughty Dog's sales of the yeah. original Last of Us when they when they remastered it for the new console. I think it sold more copies on PlayStation Four than it did on PlayStation Three. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, so there's so there's an opportunity here to actually um, improve your brand. And again, they don't need it, but just amazing goodwill if they just went ahead and released it. Plus that 40% of people who are going to buy it physically, there's a percentage of that 40% that prefers it physically like Sean, yeah, yeah. but will but will when push comes to shove, go ahead and put it, go ahead and buy it digitally. I mean, there, there might be an additional concern of PlayStation has, um, throttled down the download speeds for Europe mm. and America. Maybe they, maybe they're, maybe they're considering that too. Maybe that's a potential problem in their equation. Who knows? 
Well, this is this kind of goes back to your point, and I guess this would be a good way to wrap it up. Where like they should probably do something to help their their brand mm-hmm. or their current image. So on Thursday on Twitter, PlayStation gave the update that Sony Entertainment has made the decision to delay the launch. Right, that's what we just read. The next three replies that I see right here, um, they kind of sum it all up. One is logistically, and the and the user put it in quotation marks. Sure, logistics equal we would make less money. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The next, the next user says, "Just cancel it now and, and announce your true plan." That but, y'all lied to us of it being a PS4 title. It's been made up as a PS5 and PC title. You should just use the big name of The Last of Us to get more PS4 sold. It's false definitely advertisement something. And false promises are your new motto. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it, and then the last person says, "I don't even have a PS4. I'm just here for the replies. Quality, crisp <laughs> entertainment." It's it's definitely something that will be in their mind, especially if this drags on. Because if you're Sony and you're trying to launch this thing, you know, I don't think they would put it out in a way where they would not release it on PS4, right? Because there's just too many consoles out there in the wild for them to make money off of versus what they'll likely have at launch for PS5. But I definitely think it's you're lying to yourself if you don't think that Last of Us Part 2 isn't coming to PS5 at some point. So yeah, I, can, I mean yeah, yeah, you could just do a a Switch Wii U type scenario exactly. with Breath of the Wild. Exactly. Um and you and you got to assume that all of this this game is pretty much done. So, I mean, the yeah. only reason you'd, you'd need to come into the office is motion capture. I mean, that's the only real thing that people need to be interacting with each other for, yeah. you know, cause you know, I'm, I'm an expert on game development, so I know, you know, things, everything. But, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's not, I don't think they'd be taking a huge hit by just simultaneously releasing it in the fall. I mean, what, yeah. that, what that leaves with ghosts of Tsushima in June that's the interesting one, right? Because yeah. it's it's not something, if we're being honest here, even though it's a AAA game, I think we can all agree that Ghost of Tsushima is not something, it, it's something that's closer to like days gone for them than it is an Uncharted or God of War or Spider-Man, right? Whoa. So Sony, Whoa. with those three games, Sony is needs them to sell considerable amounts, right? Uh, they rely on those versus with things like days gone and ghost of Tsushima, you're putting it out there and you're saying, Hey, if we make a quality product, we believe there will be an appetite for this. And it could be something that could be a bigger revenue stream for us going forward. So yeah, maybe that's a new IP in like, as we wanted to do for Sean, but like, kind of like (laughs) what we're going back here and talking about, if you're, if you're Sony and you're saying, okay, I have to put one of these two games out right now. Why not take the risk with something like of ghost of Tsushima and say like, Hey, if we had to do a digital only release, how would it go? So now we have some idea of something that doesn't have an established fan base, but it's coming from, a studio that is highly known and has a lot of clout, you know, how does it do versus then saying, here's our biggest game that's coming out for the rest of the PS4 era and will probably be one of our top five exclusives, if not the top selling one of the whole entire PlayStation 4 generation, right? Where we have to risk everything on the idea of everyone is going to buy this digitally if we put it out on day one. So maybe maybe that is 
the way this moves everything in gaming forward that Sony says, yeah, I'm willing to try this out. And if it, it's successful, then if we had a scenario like this, say in the next five years with God of war two or whatever they're going to call the next God of war, Spider-Man two, they would actually be willing to do it. Good stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's wild. Deep. Nope. Nope. You know what's also wild? Not doing it. Sean, do you know about the Outer Wilds? Uh, <laughs> Outer Wilds wins best game. Uh, it picked up three awards, again, to include best game at the 2020 British Academy Game Awards. Disco Elysium also did well by winning yeah. three for a debut game, narrative, and music. The show took place during a live-streamed event hosted by comedian Dara O'Brien. Mm. Death Stranding and Kind Words were also big winners for the evening. Nice. Yeah. It's good to actually have some things that happened in the world as opposed to reruns and things that aren't happening. I don't know how so, yeah. long uh, Outer Wilds is going to be on um, on uh, Xbox Games Pass, but if you have it and you love those indie type of titles, and especially if you like physics and space, uh, go check that out. It really is a like cool club. I game. love physics and space. Well, go do it, John. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> I mean that in the sense like like you have to think about how you're moving in that game consistently, you know. Yeah, I thought John played this game. Why are you talking to him did like he? that? No, he didn't play Outer Wilds. I did. Out, outer Worlds. Outer Worlds. Yeah, he played oh, yeah. Outer Worlds. Oh yeah. Isn't that weird how hey, sometimes Sean. games come hey. out with the same titles? But hey, Sean. A different. I'll accept your apology whenever you're ready. No. Booting Sean from the episode. It's not happening. Controversy in 250 is a go now. <laughs> Hashtag Sean gone. Have one of those uh, like pictures with a weird looking face and question marks. <laughs> hey, Sean. No, I'm Sean, not going to play you... with you. I'm not going to play. I, I, I thought I, I thought you might like to read the next one because this one was so short. I mean, but uh, I was just thinking about this the oh. other day. Do you remember that time I gave you a friend pass for Wolfenstein? <laughs> I remember that. You mean after I bought Wolfenstein and you bought it on a different console? Yes, I, I still do. Got it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, owners of Ghost Recon Breakpoint can now invite their friends to play co-op with them for free as part of a new friend pass promotion for the game. Yeah. Uh, according to a blog post, quote, if you've purchased any edition of the game, the friend pass allows you to invite up to three friends at a time who don't own the game to join your session play co-op with you for free. This friend pass promotion will run until June 16th. In addition, Breakpoint's immersive mode has arrived. Most notably, the utilization of gear scores has been removed from the game. You can Yay. now be meticulous and stick with the weapons that suit your playstyle. Yay. You are, not, you are now encouraged to tweak the guns you possess to get the most out of their power. Yeah, you can also now re restrict your main hub to just players in your game instead of showing players randomly online. Was that so hard, Ubisoft? So I might have accidentally bought this game again. You did? <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I don't think I actually purchased this digitally. I can't remember. I think this might have been like the last game that I bought that I was like, I can't with confidence. Yeah, that's, that's probably a wise decision. <laughs> yeah. So wait, have you booted it up? 
No, not yet. I, I, I um, oh. Ubisoft was doing the a massive deal on PC, and I scooped Ooh. this one up with uh, Far Cry Five and Primal. Ooh. Hey, did you ever buy that other game that we were going to play together? It had a seventy-six in it. Get your PC, and I'll do it. Hey, John, I can, I, I can do that. Yeah, well, let's do it. I'm all about it. In fact, it's on sale right now. Hey, John. I yes. just I just wanted to let you know you don't need to waste a friend pass on me. I'm good. I know. I know, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I got you. Oh. Plus that friend pass is only good for like six hours of playtime. Oh really? It, I think so. I mean, it, why it why would you... we put that in the news, right? Wow. I just <laughs> Jeez, Sean. They're trying just, though, just, because I mean just kidding. God, that I'm was I'm sorry, Sean. The, the the pivots are amazing. I was just cranky. Okay. That was no. that was like I mean <laughs> it is interesting to see like how much they're trying to save this because we, we joke about it, but I mean Wildlands was like such a bank for them unexpectedly, right? No kidding, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I wonder if this next thing is gonna be a bank, huh? Probably. Well, let's find out, Sean. Lego Mario release date announced. The first of Mario Lego sets will arrive on August 1st, and you can pre-order them now. The Adventures of Mario Starter Course is the entry point, and every other supporting set will require it to function properly. The starter will be priced at $59.99. The expansion sets will include a Piranha Plant Power Slide, which will be $29.99. (laughs) And this one is dope. The Bowser's Castle Boss Battle Set, which will be $99.99. Along with these sets will be an app that will augment the physical play experience. The app will also keep track of your score as you build and rebuild sets. They would have my money if Mario didn't look not like Mario. Yeah, they had to they had to do a couple of things with it to make the um the LCD functionality work, but yeah, it's um I'm I'm just hoping there's more to this. Um as far as like games and things like that, maybe in celebration of their Sean, you're like what, me 35th? where you would. Yeah, just yeah that's okay. I wasn't talking. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Go Sean, ahead. You're, like, just good. you're <laughs> like me where uh, I think you would have been the happiest boy in the world. If it had been, if the Mario they had included in this had been like the classic eight bit Mario, right. But in Lego form. Right. I would have been, I would have been on board. Which is funny because they had the amiibo to go by. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Of course, I'm right. Yeah. It happens once every 250 episodes. Mm. Ooh, <laughs> see that knife? If you could, John, you probably would ban Chris now, huh? Ooh. Oh yeah, he's about to jump into a war zone. Speaking of <laughs> Activision bans Warzone cheaters. This Ew. is good news. Um, Activision has confirmed the banning of over 50,000 accounts from Call of Duty Warzone for cheating. According to the blog post, there's no place for cheating in games. Warzone's has, Warzone has zero tolerance for cheaters. According to the company, security teams monitor Warzone 24-7 to investigate and identify cheating. And uh, we uh, we recognize there's no single solution for combating cheaters. It's constant enforcement every day, 24-7. Rest assured, we're committed to ensuring a fun and fair experience for everyone. Yay. 
Have you uh, jumped uh, on this yet, Sean? Oh, yeah, dude. I play it almost every night. I've been playing with Josh Dalton, as a matter of fact. Wow. Really? Yeah, a lot. I really, for the really enjoy it. Well, we don't like you. <laughs> he keeps telling me to get on my PS4. I'm like, if he gets you on PS4, I leave PS4. Well, he was like, I'm like, you know exactly when I'm coming to PS4 because it's the same date you're going to be playing the same thing I am. Yeah, we were talking about that last night, too. What's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? Uh, The game I'm going to be playing with Chris and Josh. I don't believe it. Dude, I played the demo and fell in love, so you can believe what you want. Oh. You know why I believe? Amazon's got a shooter. I believe that John's not going to know what we're talking about. And it's Crucible, a sci-fi PvP shooter developed by Amazon's Relentless Studio, will release in May. It's going to be May. The New York Times report. Your favorite. I did it already. I did it already. The New York Times reported that the game had been slated to be revealed in March and released later that month, but COVID-19 delayed those intentions. Very little is known about the Crucible being first announced at TwitchCon in 2016, where it was said to be a class-based last man standing game expect a hero shooter vibe i was expecting like a thing where like you're in the 1600s and and like you know some girls get accused of being witches (laughs) and then like you end up somehow being stoned to death i don't know why amazon also has a an mmorpg coming up that people are starting to not starting to look at yeah that one looks cool yeah but the thing is man you you can't just try to make an MMORPG and expect to be like the next like WoW or even a Final Fantasy fourteen. Um, what is the next WoW? There's yeah. not because Blizzard exactly. cares it doesn't so exist. much about its its game. And it, I, don't, I don't. It it is what it is. But I didn't mean to rant. I'm sorry. Is it is what it is? Oh, you know what's um, also is what it is, Sean. The future. It's digital. <laughs> Microsoft's upcoming conferences and announcement could be going all digital until July, not of 2020, but of 2021. Say with what? Xbox PR saying uh, that it's going to experiment with digital formats for the remainder of 2020. In light of the challenges presented by COVID-19, COVID-19. Microsoft has been closely monitoring the development or the developing, sorry, global situation and reassessing the overall company-wide in-person strategy. The statement reads, as a company, Microsoft has made the decision to transition all external and internal events to a digital first experience through July 2021. We will continue to evaluate the situation and look forward to connecting in person when the situation allows. In light of challenges presented by COVID-19, we are adjusting our event calendar and strategy for the remainder of 2020 Reminder, I'm from Alabama. We are embracing the opportunity to experiment with new platforms to provide our partners, customers, customers, and customers, <laughs> sound like George Bush, and developers the highest quality digital first experiences. This could rule out any future events like Gamescom or the reimagined E3. I know this didn't make the news, but I also wanted to point out. Um, Phil Spencer did about an hour sit down with uh, IGN this week. It's up on YouTube and on IGN site. It's yeah, worth, very. Uh, it was a very good. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. If you haven't seen it, if you're not truly a gaming nerd like we are, yeah. uh, you should go check that out. But yeah, um, it's it's kind of crazy that Microsoft's going to defer to the situation as to when they can 
actually have in-person uh, events. The again. Situation Room with Wolf, with Wolf Blitzer? No, I was going to go to the Situation from the Jersey Shore. Oh, my Phil, Spen- situation. Phil, Phil Spencer is dead to me. Oh, dang. What did he do to you? Well, he said that Scalebound is dead. <laughs> he said well, that like five also, years ago, John. <laughs> no, he said it also... was... <laughs> yeah, John, I'm sorry. No, no, you, 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 no. No, it's fine. No, I, I was didn't gonna, have. That was it. No, that's it. What? <laughs> um, it's it's early. Um, I I don't mean to tease this like this, but it's also coming out that apparently developers are saying it's going to be harder to work on the Xbox One versus the PS Five. Mm, maybe. Yeah, I just I just read that. Uh, well, I yeah. just saw the headline rather. Well, I read it. Okay. I wonder if yeah. it's because of their, like you're uh, gonna do the final topic of news this week, John. You mean the finally this week? Yes. Finally this week. <laughs> <laughs> so we got news about a new controller. Breaking news. Coming along. Breaking, breaking news, yeah. Breaking nerd. <laughs> In a, there it is. In a good, in a in a good in a good move by Sony to generate some buzz on its upcoming PS5, the Dual Sense controller, not Dual Shock, but John, Dual I was going to say you said it wrong, huh? Yeah, the Dual Sense controller was unveiled in a post to the PlayStation blog. The following is taken from Games Radar. The Dual Sense, uh, the Dual Sense controller. I'm never going to be able to say that. Uh, the DualSense controller builds in, a re- in refined haptic feedback to capture a broader range of motion, such as, quote, slow grittiness of driving a car through mud. It also includes adaptive trigger buttons that can dynamically change their tension for different activities, such as drawing back a bowstring. You can also use a built-in microphone to talk to friends without needing a headset. Wow. Mm-hmm. On top of adding new features, the change over to DualSense for the new PS5 controller represents the biggest change in PlayStation controller design ever. Sony has embraced a two-tone color aesthetic and altered the angle of the shoulder buttons while rounding out the overall shape of the device. It still features a central touchpad, though now it's flanked by a pair of light bars. It also trades out the share button for a create button with expanded functionality. That's just our name for share button. Yeah, (laughs) DualSense marks a radical departure from our previous controller offerings and captures just how strongly we feel about making a generational leap with PS5. If we can't do it with the system, we're going to do it with the controller. Sony Interactive (laughs) Entertainment President Jim Ryan said in a blog post, quote, the new controller, along with the many innovative features in PS5, have we told you about the NVM? Solid state drive <laughs> will be transformative for games, continuing our mission at PlayStation to push the boundaries of play now and in the future. The future. So uh no offense to Mad Cats, but uh-huh. I was watching as we were recording, uh or not watching, but I was paying attention, okay? But anyway, IGN News Live is going on right now as we record too. Again. And so the comments are live. Uh so one guy who's, whose name is Iron Mike, you're hilarious. He says it looks like a Mad Cat Switch Tyson? Pro controller. <laughs> That's funny. That is funny. Oh, and the love does not appear to be out there. Uh, it's, it's maybe 50-50. I think it's the aesthetic, right? Yeah. Because like, I don't mind the way its design is. Like, 
as first time I saw it, I was like, okay, it kind of shape wise looks a little bit closer to those scuff controllers, which most people, especially if you're playing like Fortnite or whatever, that's probably what you're using right now, right? So I can kind of understand why you would make something closer in dimensions to that. I it, think the color is throwing me off. Yeah, I think that's the part that's getting people. It's just like, you know, Microsoft has done this before where they have the, you know, like, for instance, the Elite controllers where it's solid black, even down to the point where all the buttons are black, right? Um, the face buttons, that being. But yeah, it, it's just kind of, it, it's definitely different. I mean, I just hope it feels good in your hand. That's that's the main yeah, thing. Yeah, if, <laughs> if, if this is the color palette, um, I wonder what the console itself is going to look like. It's but gotta be one right. of the things I'm looking at, one of the things I'm looking at, I'm trying to get a better image of it. Um, if whether the buttons, okay, the buttons are raised up. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. from the from the face yeah. image, it looked like they were just sort of flat against, flush against the. They don't appear to be as raised yeah. as like an Xbox controller raised. Yeah. But hey. they're, but the, you know, calm yeah. down, Josh Corbin. Because they, you, those buttons and I'm are telling you right now, looking at the controller from the side, it almost looks closer to a PS, you know, DualShock controller that we're used to. Mm-hmm. But then when you look at it from the front, that controller just throws me. The color scheme is it's just wider. Yeah. The the, yeah. the controller looks like they took inspiration from the Avengers in-game time travel outfits. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, it's pretty like pretty, pretty good. It, they just look a lot like that design. But I actually think it's a it's it's a very pretty pretty controller. Yeah, you, um, you would. And I'm wondering, it's it's so funny to me why you know they recently released those adapters to the uh, DualShock the Four button. with those back buttons, and I'm wondering how those are maybe going to incorporate into this particular model, or if at all, or if they've, or if I have to look through all these, if there's like, if they're already doing that for the Pro controller for the uh, for PlayStation Five confirm. Say what? Pro controller for PlayStation 5 confirmed. You heard it here first. John said it. Well, breaking news. Do, 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 do. I guess maybe that's what it, none of the pictures are showing the back of it. So maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe they're there. Maybe. Um, so, who knows? We'll find out. I think I it looks tell. great. I really do. Mm-hmm. Plus you could see the, it's got a, um, it's got a, a, a C charge cable. So it's pretty standard there. Yeah. USB-C. Yeah. yeah. Well, you also wear khakis every day. Even in the quarantine. Oh. Uh, what are pants? Yeah, I forgot what pants are. <laughs> he um, sounds hideous. You guys want uh, to uh, wrap this up? Never. Bear back for life. Just to be safe. Okay. <laughs> go first because they need the cue future (laughs) john yes people write us thoughts and prayers thoughts and prayers they write them to weekly games chat at gmail.com that's weekly games chat at gmail.com just like clay did unfortunately all the way back in january how did we just Um, get it so i had a discovery this week i don't know why (laughs) uh so i was you know Friend of the show, Platt, was... Uh, Jesus, I just hit myself in the mouth of the microphone. That hurts. Oh. Mm. 
Is that what We're you call it now? Go ahead, um, Clay. Do your thing. But uh, I I noticed, or I was talking to Platt during one of his live streams over at Justice Platt. You can find him on Twitch. Um, and he said like, "Hey, how was uh? Did you like my email this week?" And I said, "We didn't get an email from you." I was like, "I don't know what you're talking about." Uh, and he said, "No, I sent one." So I went exploring, and apparently. Clay's email and and Platt had one that both for whatever reason got sent to my uh what was it? It was the promotions um folder in Gmail. I don't know why. Didn't click anything to my knowledge, right? But uh yeah, I went through and I, I combed through them and I noticed that his email was in there and Clay had sent us one back at the beginning of the year. And I apologize for it taking us this long to get to you. Lord, Lord, I apologize. I, I ask forgiveness. <laughs> Please forgive me. <laughs> uh, but he says, hey, fellas. What's up, Clay? Clay here Yo. from the from the past. Um, just some thoughts. If you could stick with the rating scheme at the end of each show, that would be great. It's so damn funny. It gets me every time. Uh, to the man with the name that starts with the S, so I don't butcher the spelling, <laughs> I've yet to play Horizon Zero Dawn and have not opened it either. We yeah, should I got probably me, got me a partner. <laughs> we should probably play it this year. I bought the DLC with the intention to play it. You guys do a phenomenal job and are my go-to as soon as the episode drops. Uh, the polish Every on Wednesday. the show and the flow is tap natch. Tap natch to John John Juan whatever however you spell it. I just started Division Two a couple of weeks ago. Uh, when it was on sale on the Microsoft Store. If you have it for Xbox, I'd definitely link up and play sometimes. Keep the Richards in high salute this year and keep the last coming game on in your mom's box. Came on. John, speaking of Division 2, that new update is Tab Natch. Oh. Oh, you've been playing it? Uh, I'm remember because because John Rambo is going to want to come back and I ain't ready for that yet. <laughs> What's he doing? Is he just running in there? Does he realize we're playing against people now? <laughs> John Rambo. John Rambo. <laughs> uh, thank you again, Clay. Sorry for yeah, the like delay in reply. I'll be checking this box from now on to uh to make sure I don't miss any of your future emails the future the future uh next up platt wrote in as i said last week and he says hey chris sean and johnny did spell them correctly he knows us what's up platt i want to write in give a little more perspective on neo 2 and my thoughts so far first off i want to agree with chris and his sentiments about this being a niche game uh, even with the soulborn genera or genre <laughs> genre, uh, it differentiates. It, really, dude? It differentiates itself enough that not everyone who loves those games will like this. With that said, I'm absolutely in love with the game and the core gameplay loop. The mission design increases the glorious feeling of accomplishment that when you finally beat that big baddie boss. Uh, the character models are varied really well and unique. Each enemy from the basic mob to each boss has a specific tactic that makes makes them much easier to handle. Next, you got to talk about your gear system. This is almost the looter fill in the blank with something that rhymes. Um, looter. Shooter. Pooter. I don't know. Uh, 
genre of a Soulsborne game. Uh, every <laughs> enemy explodes with items upon kills. You are constantly getting better weapons and armor. There are also endless sets that you can uh, that can fit your preferred playstyle, like how Chris wants to be a big beefy boy and tank hits, and I am a sexy agile ninja. The biggest drawback to me, <laughs> it's true. Uh, it, the biggest drawback to me actually is the over availability over availability ah, of systems. I get what they were trying to do, but it feels like certain things end up getting left behind. You could argue that this just encourages replaying the game and certainly does have an incredible replayability. Overall, I think this is by far my favorite Soulsborne game to date. I cannot follow the story for crap, but that doesn't matter to me. The game is good. It may not be for everyone, cough, cough, Sean. But if you're looking for 100 to 200 hours of incredible gameplay and that eventual feeling of being a killer assassin, this is the perfect quarantine game to pick up. All right. Thank you for letting me have my uh, TED Talk. Like and comment <laughs> and subscribe. Nine out of ten, Richards. Best wishes and much love, Platt. <laughs> Uh, well well great email what game was it again <laughs> uh he is right on a lot of those things like i could see definitely you know especially because he's really like the gear aspect of it anytime a gear aspect of a game grabs you it's it, it, it's hard to let go if you enjoy the uh the loop right i gotta say i just drank some ice cold water it's fantastic Ooh. I've uh, I've almost it's been it's it's been because I've had a, anything other than a water or a tea, and during this pandemic, Chris, I've thought about drinking a soda. Oh, I thought about doing it, buddy. I got a lot of sodies and I got a lot of beers. That's that's all I got in the fridge. <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah, you saw that pic. <laughs> I did. <laughs> uh, next up, John wrote in, but he spelled his name wrong. He uh, could just call us. Why do you write in? I don't know. <laughs> He says, hey, guys, this is John again. So glad hey, to hear what up? The- What's up, John again? I was uh, so glad to hear the Doom Eternal episode. Other than The Last of Us Part Two, I think Doom Eternal was my most anticipated game of this year. Absolutely loved it and don't think I can play Doom 2016 now. Doom Eternal has surpassed Doom 2016 to the point that I don't think I'd enjoy it now. For anyone who hasn't played the Doom uh, series, it's great. This past Valentine's Day, my girlfriend surprised me with Doom with the uh, Doom Slayer collection. It contained Doom One, Two, Three, uh, Doom Twenty Sixteen, all for the price of twenty bucks. I've never played Doom Three, and I'm loving it, even though it's a little spooky. I didn't even know this collection existed, so props to my girlfriend for surprising me with it. Uh, anyways, hope you guys are staying safe. Like this is a crazy time we're living in. Uh, being an introverted individual, I would love to stay home and play Animal Crossing all day, but I work in a senior retirement community in Louisiana, Ooh. Uh, and I have been working every day to keep our residents safe and healthy. Don't get me wrong, I love it, but it sucks seeing this as the one time it would be socially acceptable for me to stay home for days at a time, but I can't. Speaking of Animal Crossing, I've never played one before, but seeing the meme crossover of Doom and Animal Crossing made me want to give it a try. I've not stopped playing this game since I got it. It's nice taking a break from slaughtering demons to chasing butterflies and fishing. <laughs> and uh, and uh, cherry blossom petals. Yeah, yeah, they are out there right now. I uh, <laughs> hope this wasn't too long. Stay safe and wash That's what your... She said. He says, wash your hands. Wash, wash them. Uh, surprise motherfuckers so john you work at a 
senior citizen retirement. Yeah, when now? you start that, buddy? Yeah, you can tell us. You gotta keep us updated, buddy. John, it's John not F. me. It's not me. <laughs> it's not me, mate. And you know, to to his point about going back to 2016 Doom, I actually did it. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. He well, yeah, I'm glad you it's brought that fun. up. I was gonna, I was gonna ask you because when you did the review, you were like, I don't know if I can go back, and you did, and you've updated the, the you know, the people, and I appreciate that, John. We got to keep people updated. Jack Shepard said we got to go back, so got to keep them updated. Uh, and finally, we have an uh, email from Gamer Gav who says, "Hey, what's up, guys? Shut up, Gamer Gav, writing in from your mom's box. What the heck what's does up, that mean, Gamer Gav? He says, "What the heck does that mean, anyways? Your mom's box. I've been well, listening since July of 2018, and I must have missed that one, anyways. I've been thinking about both PlayStation and Xbox uh, since they've revealed their specs. Xbox has revealed the Series X, which, as far as we know." only one version of the next xbox uh there will only be one version of the next xbox i don't think we know that yet uh there will purportedly be at least one more version yeah uh the series x has more t floppers than the base ps5 now uh wow this is the way this is written hold on now I put base and bold because we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Sony revealed their specs for is the base model PS5. But do we know if the Series X is the base model for the next-gen Xbox, or could it be possibly be the higher-end version of the next-gen Xbox, and they have yet to reveal a base model? If that's the case, then how will the base model Xbox compare to the base model PS5 in price and power and pterodactyl flops? Uh... <laughs> I know. Do we I'm, know? Do we I mean, know, there's the rumored Lockhart Project Lockhart that's supposed to be the cheaper version. Yeah, I'm saying, but do we know for a fact that the PlayStation version was the quote unquote cheapest? Yeah, we don't. I mean, if 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 it's coming, they've kept it hidden. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm thinking far into this, but I haven't heard anyone bring this up, and I think that it's a possibility. Uh, either way, Microsoft needs to bring the heat this generation with the games because no matter what anyone says, if there aren't any games to play on it, then it will not surpass Sony yet again. And regardless what Microsoft says, they're absolutely in competition with Sony. Uh, I really hope they bring in, or I'm sorry, I really hope they bring it this generation because competition is good for the consumers. Last thing, Last of Us 2 delayed. Again, knife in my heart, I give up. Thanks for all you do. Stay safe and game on, Gamer Gab. Game on, game on Gamer, Gamer Gab. Gab. Thanks for writing in. Uh, <laughs> you, make some, you make some valid well, points. I mean, the big thing, though, um, as Giggle Johns <laughs> is back there, uh, uh, is to remember that like Xbox isn't so much about just setting up and having that one elite thing that is there and that's it, right? Their whole entire where they seem to be pushing their model is, Hey, we want to give you like 50 entry points to come into the world of gaming with Xbox, pick what's yeah. right for you. So if you want to just have something that's a little bit better than an Xbox one X, we can give you that to, to you. If you I, want and I, I think X that I honestly answer. think that that model comes from PC. Microsoft's involvement in the PC world yeah. and how there's basically, you can, if you're building a PC, if you're buying a PC, there's a market out there for everybody. Yeah. So we'll see how it adopts to the console world. Um, and I did air quotes around that, but it'll be it'll be fun to see. Yeah. 
Just saying. Yeah. That's uh that's all I got though. So, all right. What do they got on Twitter's? Well, if they want to reach us out here, of course, it's at Weekly Game Chat on the Twitter. That is. Uh, that shout is out to uh, our boy Justice Platt. I know he wrote us in, and we just read his email. But last Wednesday, he let the world know that it was Wednesday, my dudes, which means that there was a new Weekly Games Chat episode. He was right. I may have given a Doomslayer hint, so uh, he said that that hint gave him an idea of what the topic would be, um, and he promoted us. So I appreciate that very much. Um, at young OG status. He says he loves the show or they say they love the show. Sorry. It's, it's just PG enough that I can listen to it with my nine year old in the car. So that's very nice. Uh, David McClendon. If you guys haven't seen this, like John or Chris or even any listener, uh, he imagined, he imagines us doing this during the quarantine. If we were quarantined together. It's a video about a minute and a half long, and it just builds and builds and builds hmm. uh, to where Hyderberg eventually said, WTF did I just watch? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, at Big Riff, hey, by the way, I saw you playing your guitar the other day. That was pretty cool. Uh, at Big Riffs, wrote in and said, at Weekly Games Chat, thanks for keeping the show rolling. It's been a nice constant through all of this BS. Let's play Warzone? <laughs> Do it, buddy. As long as you don't cheat, man, because they're banning people for that, bro. We don't want to get banned. Uh, we got no new followers because everybody's being quarantined and not touching their phones. So that's all I got now. But we did it. 250, bros. We did do it. 250 episodes. 200. It, again, it, it feels feels bittersweet and hack, but we're forced yeah. to be to be this now we're, we're gonna we, we're gonna bring you guys something i promise one day Payne's gonna apparently bring you some barks because that's what she's doing right now like root beer <laughs> that's funny <laughs> but yeah um it sucks that this is the way we had to celebrate this this year because i think we always enjoy it it's kind of like a milestone every time we go up our our 50 from the previous year but you know regardless we keep on trucking and you know we we always appreciate everything that I think everyone sends in, whether it's your emails or just appreciating, or I'm not appreciating, but uh, joining in on our conversations on Discord and Twitter and such, um, or you know even telling us where you think we're horribly wrong about something. We love it. That's why we uh, I would say is the main reason that keeps us going from week to week. Because if there wasn't anyone out there, why the heck would we still be doing this? I don't know. <laughs> But uh, thank you, and I hope everyone stays safe during this time and that we can get back to something that feels a little bit more normal once this passes. Right, guys? I think you said that very well. John's making that. Agreed. (laughs) Um, But if you like the show, subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever podcast service you'll use you use and you'll get a new episode just like the previous 249 before this one uh for your listening pleasure for you to listen to on every wednesday morning uh if while you're there you want to rate the show or give us a review people appreciate that because it helps them find it if you hate the show make sure you take your review score take the top score subtract one divide it in half and then do what sean Dabble it. That's what you do. That's the official <laughs> hatred score. Um, 
Uh, if you want to join in the conversations, as I said before, you can come over to our Discord or hit us up on the Twitters um, or even attempt to send a Facebook message. And sometime in 2025, I will get back to you. Uh, besides that, though, once again, I want to thank John and Sean for a fun 250. It's only been five years, guys. Uh, and tell them game on. Yeah, man, it's been it's been awesome getting here to 250, and I look for, forward to many, many more. Uh, game on to you, Chris. Game on, John. Game on, Chris. Game on, Sean. Game on, my sweet, sweet Johnny Bear. Teehee. <laughs> Your mask. That's so cool. Peace out, everybody. Thug life. You. <laughs>